The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value, and so can you. Welcome to the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper, and welcome to today's show. I'm going to be talking shortly with Lolly Daskal about the leadership gap, and I'm really very, very excited about today. Um, but before we talk to Lolly and I introduce her, I want to say a huge thank you to my guest last week, Wasim Khan, MBE, was a fascinating person to talk about the business of sport. Uh, Wasim is the chief executive of um, a cricket club, Leicestershire County Cricket, but he got an MBE and a private dinner over here with the Queen for... Um, gaining uh, support for two and a half million uh, children to learn about uh, about cricket, which is a very English game, but lots of great uh, content and information, inspiration in that uh, interview. So I'm really excited, as I mentioned today, to uh, to welcome Lolly Daskal, and I'd like to thank my friend Dov Barron for introducing her. You know, over time, every executive reaches a point when their performance suffers and failure uh, may uh, may persist, and you may have experienced that yourself. But very few understand why or how to prevent it. Now, Lolly Daskal is one of the most sought-after executive leadership coaches in the world. Her extensive cross-cultural expertise it spans 14 countries, six languages, hundreds of companies. She's the founder and CEO of Lead From Within, and and today um, you know, helps leaders uh, to develop and grow and embody seven archetypes. So we're going to talk about those today and about the, the archetypes in this remarkably powerful system that she has uh, she has developed. Lolly was designated a top 50 leadership and management expert by Inc. Magazine. She's uh, written for the Harvard Business Review, Inc.com, Fast Company, Huffington Post, etc. And she shares um, her insights in a tremendous book. It's called The Leadership Gap, What, what Gets Between You and Your Greatness. And I've had the privilege to read a copy of it um, pre-order. And I have to say, I think it's a tremendous book. It's really well written, some great stories in it, but there's some tremendous insight um, and information that I think leaders really need to understand today about um, about the archetypes and about their um, behaviours um, and the shadow of those behaviours, the sort of gaps. So we're going to talk about that today. Um, I'd like to say a huge welcome to Lolly Daskal. Hi, Chris. It is a real honour to be here. Uh, wonderful to to talk with you and I'm going to start a little bit uh, Lolly about uh, sort of a little experience I had a, a number of years ago about 21 years ago now so a while ago I ran the New York Marathon and I'll never forget how busy the crowds were until I ran through a Jewish Orthodox area and I, I'll never forget it there was a single young girl stood watching in the street that was it the crowds just suddenly disappeared and that really stuck in my mind, and the looking on her face really stuck in my mind. And, and I know you're from an Orthodox Jewish New York background yourself, and 
I'm therefore really intrigued to find out what was life like for you when you were growing up and you know maybe what did you learn from that upbringing? Well, first of all, Chris, congratulations on running the marathon. That's 26 miles, and that's pretty intense. So what was your hours? How, many, how fast did you run? Uh, I think I was, I was four hours and 10 minutes. Wow, that's pretty amazing. So congratulations. So you must have gone through Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and that's where I grew up. Something interesting about Williamsburg, it's almost like a little town on its own. It's little ghetto on its own where it doesn't feel like it's part of the world, where you have your own language, you have your own stores, you have your own culture, your own environment, your own kinds of principles. And they're very much about not dealing with anyone else but themselves, not because they're elitist or anything like that, but it's the kind of environment where you you grow up thinking, we keep to ourselves, we keep to ourselves. And for me, uh, in particular, being a very curious little girl, it was a very hard environment to be in only because I wanted to know what was outside the 20 blocks radius of where I grew up. I was like that little girl standing at the marathon watching somebody run through our little town and you know, where's he going? Where's he running? Where does he go once he leaves here? And so I was that little girl that was like, why, why, why? I drove my parents crazy. And it wasn't until I left at the age of 16 is that where I realized that there was a world out there and that if I wanted to have the answers to all my questions, I might not have all of the teachers that I needed, I might not have the mentors, but there was one place where I could find everything that I needed, and that was in books. So anything that I had a question about, I would look for a book that would give me the answer. And till today, I still read a book a day because I'm still parched and still oh. quenched for knowledge and wisdom, and I'm still asking why. Wow. Wow. Uh, and, you know, just... I'm still kind of intrigued, you know, there were so many people watching that, but people weren't out on the, on the streets in that, that area. And it just felt, it did feel so, so separate and distinct. And, you know, I just wondered how, you know, maybe the, you know, the behaviours in that community and, and, and the rules and regulations and, you know, how that affected you. Did you have to de-learn things or, or did it actually in its own way set you up beautifully for the future? So, you know, one thing about the community is, is that I'm not one person to talk bad about another community. I think people do things because they do them either out of fear, out of joy, out of happiness, out of service. And so it worked for them. And what I realized growing up, it wasn't working for me. And that was the only thing that I had to be concerned about. I had to be concerned about what wasn't working for me and how I wasn't being fed intellectually for me. This is not about them. They were very smart people. They were very intelligent. But I wanted something more. I was curious. I wanted to know what was outside of Williamsburg, what was outside of Brooklyn, what was outside of that world. I wanted to see the whole world, not just what I was seeing growing up. And you talked about there about books and reading. And I know that there were three mentors that uh, you never actually ever met, but they changed your life um, through your reading. You know, who were they and why did they do that? So the three mentors that have changed my life and what all my life's work is based on is number one was Viktor Frankl. 
when I met, when I read, actually, I that was, wow, I met, I wish I met, when I read The Man's Search of Meaning, it was almost like everything that I was searching for and the answers that I was looking for was in this book. Every sentence I was underlining, I was I was thinking, wow, this he's talking to me, he's talking to me. And it was about many things that he said that, yes, I understand it now. And so one of the things he talked about is that when you are challenged, when you are suffering, in order to survive that, we have to find meaning. And he talks about how we find meaning. And for those of you who don't know, Viktor Frankl was in the concentration camps And he really helped his fellow men who were starving, who were dying, to find meaning in their lives to survive another day so they could make it through the concentration camp. So it made a profound imprint on me. The second person was Joseph Campbell. When I read the book, The Hero with a Thousand Faces or The Hero's Journey, I knew that in there was wisdom beyond that I could ever imagine. He talked about that we had behaviors that were universal, that wasn't just about me, but it was about people across the pond, like for you, Chris, and it was people in Asia and people in Africa. We all have similarities, but we have to find out what those similarities are. And then it was Carl Gustav Jung, when I read his archetypes and the collective conscious, it was like, I'm going to be a Jungian for the rest of my life, because it just made so much sense. And he said, you know, in our abyss, we find our treasures. And who here hasn't had some challenges and some dark moments? But if we knew that there was a treasure in there, wow, we would have a different outlook on it. So those are my three mentors. Wow. And I, I think, you know, that there, that statement you just made there, you know, it, it works kind of, you know, and beautifully in, in some respects with, you know, Viktor Frankl's experience in that, you know, you wouldn't have, that was such an abyss, but he did find some, some treasures there, which is, is, is incredible, really, considering the, you know, scenario that he found himself in. Absolutely. Now, your work and book, they're based around archetypes. And I think, it's, I think it's important, really, that we maybe, maybe define for us what is an archetype and, you know, maybe how can we utilize them to become a better business leader or better human being, really? Absolutely. Absolutely. So what is an archetype? An archetype is a persona, a behavior, a pattern that exists within us. It's almost like your principles that you have. And it was Joseph Campbell who actually takes us through um, the hero's journey, right? He talks about the archetypes that we must become as we go through our lives. And for me, I found that even though we go through our lives and we become certain archetypes, I found that in every single day, in every situation that we encounter, we have a choice to choose which virtue, which behavior, which persona we want to be. And I thought, wow, it doesn't have to be yearly. It could be daily. And that's how I created my system. And that's why my system is so profound. And, and just to sort of maybe go back to, say, Joseph Campbell, you know, he, he started looking, didn't he, at different kind of cultures. I mean, he looked at the India, Indians, Red Indians, and you know, different cultures around the world. And he saw that people kind of worshipped you know, statues in different countries and idols. But what he, he saw from that was actually behind those, really what they were worshipping was different virtues. That's so, uh, correct? Is that how you would? So uh, think about it this way. 
if he found that people were idolizing something, you can idolize a god, you could idolize something, we as human beings have that idea that we need to attach ourselves to something. Mm. So it could be religion, it could be food, it could be books, but we have this thing within us, this behavior that we do. What what it ends up being externally is another thing, but internally, the inner driver for all of us, it doesn't matter which country, because I have traveled 14 countries, I have spoken, right, the six languages, I've spoken to people all over the world, and when I talk about the virtues that are in my book, people say, yes, that's me, yes, that's me, and it doesn't matter if it's a man, it doesn't matter if it's a woman, it doesn't matter if they're a manager, if they're a CEO, if they're a shopkeeper, if they're a coach, if they're a mom, if they're a dad, they go, this is me. I have this within me. And so even though it's called the leadership gap, Chris, this is a life book. If you can tap into this system, it will change your life. And I think that's what I, I particularly resonated for me when I, uh, and I worked through it is a life book. And it's something that you can, you can study and spend your life perfecting um, and developing and enhancing. And that's why I liked it. It's, you know, there's a few books available that almost become little Bibles. And I think you have uh, something that you can keep keep looking back. And each time you look at it, you maybe learn something new or, or and you maybe shift into a different level of consciousness and get something else different from it. And I think you've created something there, Lolly, with your book. Well, and your I just wa- I want you to, I want to say something about what you just said. So Viktor Frankl is my Bible. And that if my book can be a Bible for someone and give them the same aspect, then I have lived my mission and purpose because my mission and purpose is to really make a difference in people's lives, to let them know that greatness lies within them. So what you just said really moved me. Oh, well, thank you. And I meant it. I meant it. And I, I you know, interview a lot of people and I read a lot of books and uh, so yours has, yours has stood out for me. Um, and maybe sometimes the book comes for you when you write book comes for you when you need it. So that's um, maybe that's uh, something that's relevant to me and my own kind of studies. So I'm, I'm kind of in, intrigued, Lolly. You know, you've you've had this um, amazing career and you've, you're traveling around the world and you're talking to people and you've written this book, uh, The Leadership Gap. And I'm really intrigued from that study with uh, of, uh, of the work of Viktor Frankl and Joseph Campbell and Carl Jung how you've personally utilized your knowledge of the archetypes and how that's really enhanced your journey with your work, with your family. So if you know the system in the book, which I call a rethink system, what I have found is, is that when you know this system, you can use it at any given moment. So sometimes when I'm with my family, I might need to be an archetype of the truth teller. Maybe I need to be the hero. It gives me choices of how to be with not only my family, but my clients. And it gives me choices to be with those that I love and those that I work with. So this system is a very powerful system that way. Yes, yes. That's why I think it's something you can you, know, you can keep on utilizing and keep on working with um, because I, I really you know really get that when you understand those different frames it kind of provides a structure a, a context to to live your life by I think those sort of things are, are helpful to put that clarity in place for something that maybe lacks clarity for most of us it, yes I think I think you're absolutely correct absolutely correct 
Uh, and therefore, I mean, with your, uh, you know, with your children at, at dinner, you know, uh, when, I don't know, a child's playing up or something like that, you maybe gives you a strategy from your toolbox to think, I'm sorry, that sounds a bit hard when your children are playing up, but uh, I've got two young boys and it, and it happens. Um, it, it gives you a bit more sort of freedom, maybe, and flexibility to pull out one of, you know, a tool out of your toolbox, really, to help you deal in that situation. So, you know, it can help you from a family situation through to maybe when you're, you know, in a board meeting in a very difficult uh, negotiation or something. It could help you in any situation. It could help you with your children. It could help you with your adult children, which I have. It could help you in relationships with your spouses. It could help you with your managers. It could help you with your team, your board. It could help you with everyone because the way the system is set up, it almost gives you the, the tools to be your own inner coach. And so if you had your own inner coach, can you imagine how rich that is that you can bring up any archetype that you need to be if you know the system so it's a great educational system but yet it enriches your life mm. i think some of the things i've read around the archetypes in the past is it's, it's not always been written to me in a way that's particularly accessible i mean there's some elements that i think are very somewhat accessible but i think that that there is some complexity and subtlety and psychology in some of the ways that people have really written uh, you know, and I'm thinking of the work of Carl Pearson, for example, which uh, has a lot of kind of mythology and things in it as well. I think what you've you've done is created something that's more practical. Absolutely. I wanted to, you know, when the book first started out, it was like a master class. It was complicated. But then I thought, how can I make um, a book that or a message, a message that is profound, simple in its complication. And that's what I try to do. So even though there are many layers to the book, I give you the first layer that really entices you and encourages you to find your archetype and to live it every single moment. Excellent. Well, we're going to go to commercial break now. And uh, we've, we've held off talking about the archetypes and what they are. We're going to talk more about that after the break. We're going to get an overview of those archetypes and then we'll maybe just delve into a couple in more more detail so do join us after the break um i think you're going to find this content and the conversation really really valuable so we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one -one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Lolly Daskal. We're talking about the leadership gap. And uh, Lolly, um, let's um, let's help people by maybe giving a brief overview of those seven archetypes and what they are. Is that could you do that for us? Yeah. So I'd like to do uh, I'd like to do it this way, if you don't mind. I'd like to go through the archetypes and their virtues, and then, if you don't mind, I'd like you to pick out of those seven which you would like for me to talk about, and then I'll walk through the whole system with the gap. Is that okay? That sounds perfect. Okay. Good. Great. So, for everybody listening, you have to remember that these archetypes have a a rethink. It's an acronym for the seven archetypes. So it's rethink. So if the first one is an R, it's the rebel who's driven by confidence. The E is the explorer who's fueled by intuition. The T is the truth teller who embraces candor. The H is the hero who embodies courage. The I is the inventor who's brimming with integrity. The N is the navigator who's all about being trusted. And the knight, which is the last archetype, is everything for them is about loyalty. And I just want to say why I call it a rethink system is because most of us spend our time thinking, right? We think what we know. We think we know everything. But what's so important about these archetypes and why it's a rethink system? Because sometimes as people and as leaders, we need to stop thinking we know everything, and sometimes we need to rethink what we do know and what we don't know. Sometimes we don't have all the answers, so that's why it's a rethink system. Rethink what you know and what you don't know. And just so people who maybe have some knowledge of the inside of, of, of archetypes, you know, we've in the past I've seen them kind of explained in the way of kind of you know, the magician and the lover and the caregiver. And how does that relate those sorts that sort of way that people have described them in, in, in the past, how does that relate to the way that you articulate them? Um, those archetypes are very different than what I talk about. My archetypes are based on their virtues. It's based on like the rebel who's driven by confidence. It's the knight who has loyalty because I find that when we want to be a whole human being, when we want to unleash greatness within us, and what I mean by greatness is our fullest potential, we have to have certain virtues and we have to have certain printable, principles and code of conduct that we need to be. So even though those archetypes are wonderful and I enjoy them, you know, I really enjoy them. This is very different. These are the archetypes of virtues, and that's what makes them different. Ah, great. Okay. Thank you for thank you for clarifying that, and that's that's helpful. Um, let's um. So let's look at let's look at a couple 
let's start with uh, the rebel you know that which was the first one you mentioned the rethink system um what what do we need to really understand about the rebel and what are the rebel and what are the specific gaps that we need to be aware of so the rebel is a person that wants to make an impact on the world. They want to make a change. They want to be significant in the world. They don't really like the status quo. But in order to be the rebel, the virtue for the rebel, they need to have confidence. Now, when I talk about confidence, I don't mean standing in front of the mirror and saying, I am the best and I am the greatest. Mm. What I have taught most of my clients and all of my clients is that When you know your capabilities, when you know your competence, that's what gets you to be confident. So it's your capabilities plus your competence equal your confidence. That means you know what you're good at. You know what you have mastered. You know what you're capable of. And when you do, we know this. We know this for ourselves. We show up and we're confident. But for every single person who wants to do something significant in the world, and I have found this to be in my research true for 99.1% of us, that means everyone except 1%, is that we suffer from the leadership gap of feeling like an imposter who has self-doubt. So you might be saying, how does that sound? What does it look like? It looks like this. You want to do something out in the world, but there's something inside you that says, you're not smart enough, you're not good enough, you didn't go to the best schools, All people out there are doing better than you are. Whatever that inner message is that makes you feel like an imposter, that makes you feel like you have self-doubt, that leadership gap can cost you in your greatness, can cost you in what you want to do out in the world. Yeah, and I, you know, from my experience working with with senior people in organizations and I saw it in your book that in even in even the, the chief executive or the chairman of big organizations often they really do suffer with that deep down with that imposter syndrome don't they and sometimes they have no one they dare talk about it interestingly enough they don't dare talk about it but all of us talk about it <laughs> they they're embarrassed by it but we're aware of it But the interesting thing is it happens to all of us. And that aha little insight should be very important to us is that we are no different depending on our titles or our position. But we do suffer from the same things. We are plagued by self-doubt and we are plagued by feeling like an imposter. That is true for all of us. Mm. I also found interesting reading the section in there that there's that you know, feeling of maybe being a fraud, but also some of the behaviours that you sometimes that manifests itself in can be slightly different. You know, things like, you know, perfectionism, um, for example, or needing to to please others. Um, there's, you know, it's quite interesting. You, you highlight a number of different different behaviours that you might yes. witness to, that 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 that, that um, imposter syndrome might kind of manifest itself through. Yeah, and it's very important what you just said, so I'm happy that you highlighted that because we have to understand what are the drivers for the imposter syndrome so that we can leverage ourselves not to feel that way. Because most people, they only want to talk about their strengths, right? They want to talk about how great they are. 
but they don't really want to talk about how weak they could be. And there are many, many books out there that I've read that talk about concentrate on your strength and concentrate on your strength. But it does a disservice to who we are. Why? Because think about it this way. If think of, think of a balloon, right? And this balloon is filled with everything of who you are, your strengths, your weaknesses, your memories, your experiences, everything that you've ever gone through in your life. But let's say all your weaknesses are on the left side of the balloon, And all your strengths are living on the right side of the balloon. And most of us want to squish the left side. We want to squeeze the left side. We want to mask the the left side. We We just don't want to pay attention to it. So we squeeze down on it. But if you squeeze down on the balloon on the left side, what happens, Chris? It just shifts and it moves on into other side of the balloon. It still exists. We can't get rid of it. And so I'm very big on knowing our strengths, our greatness, and knowing our gaps because we are a whole person. And that's why we have to leverage the ideas of what does it mean to be an imposter? It means that You know, maybe we feel that we need to please people. Maybe we need to feel that we need to be perfect. Maybe we need to feel we need to be the best at what we do. Whatever that driver is, we have to learn what it is in order to leverage it to own all of who we are. Mm, Yes, yes. Um, Yes, I recognize one or two of those characteristics. (laughs) I've felt them so much more than myself. Um, uh, uh, so yeah very important I think um, you made a little point there which I think is just worth mentioning you said there that you know you might not uh, talk about them but other people know them other people see them and I remember there's a quote that from Stephen M. R. Covey's book on the speed of trust that people people don't judge themselves people judge themselves on their own intentions but everybody else judges them on their behavior um so I think you know people will people will be witnessing that, and they will be making an assumption about you and your leadership based on um, on some of your behaviour that they perhaps don't like. Right in the book, um, I want everybody to get this book, but the book opens up with a profound story of a CEO that was hiding one of his weaknesses, and he thought nobody saw it. But everybody saw it, and um, it costed him his leadership. People did not want to be around him. They saw him walking down the hallway, and they were like, he's coming, he's coming, and they all wanted to leave. They hated being around him. And once he revealed what his secret was, what he was masking, it changed his life. Mm. So so that's the rebel, and uh, the rebel has this, this gap around being and the imposter let's um let's move on to um let's move on to the second one because uh, i'm interested in the explorer because i know it involves intuition um tell us a bit about the explorer and some of the gaps with this archetype that we need to be aware of so i love the explorer because i think everybody here listening today is really going to resonate with the explorer the explorer wants to create something new that hasn't been done before, right? They want to be different. And in order to do that, in order to explore and to go into uncharted waters, they cannot use their rational mind because it's done before. It's not about facts and it's not about figures. It has to be something that hasn't been done, but people don't even know what it is yet, right? So how do you become that creative? How do you become that innovative? Well, I've seen this, that you need to have the virtue of and the principle of and the characteristic of intuition. 
Most people, when they talk about intuition, they call it trusting your gut, it's your sixth sense, it's all of that, but it's much more than that. So I'd like to talk about what intuition is in science. Intuition is, think about this, if you've had an experience in life, it becomes a chip that gets in, you know, installed into your brain. If you've had a conversation with someone, it becomes a chip that gets installed in your brain. If you've had a relationship with someone and they've taught you something, whatever they've taught you gets it to be like a chip in your brain. Everything that you've ever gone through in your entire life leaves little chips of little in our brain, like little memories in our brain. And what intuition really is, is that when you ask a question out loud and you don't give the answer, what happens is in your brain, all of a sudden, it starts tabulating all the memories, all the relationships, all the experiences, everything that you've ever been through. And then all of a sudden, it spews out something that sounds like this. Go do it. This is it. Now. Intuition has less than four words. The minute you start using a fifth word or you use the word because, you stop using your intuition. So for the explorer who's looking to do something creative, who's looking to do something innovative, this is the, this is the real secret. You have to let go of what you know in order to let all the things that you have stored inside you come out. So you have to let go of control. And that's very, I mean, that's very interesting from an organizational perspective where, you know, a lot of people want evidence uh, for, you know, evidence or market research or, or proof sometimes before moving forward with something. But you've got somebody there with your intuition and everything screaming that we should move forward. Um, how, how do people balance that in, in organizations? So it's great that you're asking that because I actually teach how to be the intuitive leader. Most people rely on their analysis, but guess what? We get stuck in analysis paralysis. How many times have I worked with an organization where they drum down the facts and they drum down the figures and they try to be very analytical and they try to be very logical, but it has no heart. It has no meaning. There's a story in the book. We spend three days in a workshop trying to come up with strategy and vision and purpose for an organization, and it was all based on data. But nobody felt it. Nobody could agree with it. And then I talk about how we got to our intuition and how it became a game changer. We have to learn to let go of what we know sometimes in order to let something come in. That is where the golden nuggets are. That is where intuition really works. That's where you can become the explorer who stands in their greatness. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, learning to let go. And, and you probably need... You probably need to, to really thrive in that environment, um, a culture that supports it. Is that um, true? You know, interesting. It's so good that you asked that. Um, I think to have the kind of environment and culture that allows intuition to rule, it has to come from the top. It has to be the leader that says, I don't have all the answers. Let's do something creative. What does your intuition say? What are you thinking? What are you feeling? 
and to listen to the language of how people speak because the moment it stops ha- it stops having the language of intuitive language is the moment we've gone into analysis. So I think it has to start from the top where you have to mentor and coach people to become intuitive leaders so when they need it, they know how to utilize it. Well, well. I'm thinking about one or two organizations I worked for in my career and uh, wished I'd have been in that kind of a culture. Um, <laughs> but it suited me really well, I think. Um, yeah. So we've got about three minutes before commercial break. I know um, there's some specific gaps around this archetype that we need to look at. So um, yeah, tell us a bit about that, those. So on a high level, before we break, I'll just give you what the gap is. So if intuition is about letting go of control. The gap, the leadership gap, is the exploiter who manipulates because the exploiter is all about control. They want to get their way. It's their way or the highway. They know how to do it better. And when you're like that, when you try to control a situation, you're only leading from your gap. You are not leading from your greatness. Mm. Mm. So manipulation, Uh, that's... um really really interesting what why does the why, why is that the shadow or the the gap for the explorer why, why would it why would it tend to shift towards uh, that manipulation it all has to do about the aspect of control and letting go when you are able to let go of control the explorer all of a sudden intuition pops in right those right. answers come in yeah but if you are so tightly wound and you have to control everything, I know it's hard to realize, but we need to take a step back. People that are controlling, are manipu- they tend to exploit us and manipulate us. They're trying to manipulate us to think the way they think it has to be. And I've seen this thousands of times where leaders want to be controlling and all they do is manipulate people to think this is the way it needs to be. And it ends up costing them. People lose respect for them. People lose their trust for them. It only causes a gap. And so intuitiveness is about letting go. Manipulation is about holding on. Mm. I've ex- I experienced that a number of times in, in my career. And I've seen that so so often. And I think what I sometimes have experienced in that way you've got a controlling leader is when there are really genuine issues being voiced. They're very good at kind of smoothing over the, so- the top of them. Uh, to keep keep control with uh, their their thoughts on how you should proceed. Have you can you you know experience that? Absolutely, absolutely. In the book, it talks about stories that people. It's exactly what you just illustrated right now. I think people should read the book only because each story illustrates each archetype in a way that people say, even though it's happening in America or across the pond or wherever it is, I relate to this because it's happening to me in my business in my life. Wonderful. Well, we're at the end of this um, period. We need to go into commercial break now, just a couple of minutes. And then after the break, we're going to talk about, you know, how you look at the, you know, your balance and the bigger perspective of your archetypes and how you, what you really do with them uh, going forward. So do join us after the break. Lots more of interesting conversation to, and valuable conversation to come. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called 
the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Lottie Daskal. We're talking about the leadership gap. Um, so we, we talked um, somewhat about the rebel. Um, we talked about um, the, the, the sort of gap, which was about the imposter. And we talked about the explorer and the gap, which is about manipulation. Um, how can we take this information? We've not got time, unfortunately, to talk about all, all seven and go into them in, in detail now. But once we understand the seven, Lolly, um, how do we start to understand maybe our own balance within them? And is there, an, is there a diagnostic that we undertake or, you know, how, how, do you, how do you work with it? So that's a great, great question. And I'm happy that you asked that because I'm sure everybody's thinking, okay, so what is the rethink system? How do I implement it? What do I need to do with it? So the rethink system works this way. If you know the seven archetypes that will allow you to stand in your greatness and you know the polarity of character that leads you to your gaps, at any given moment, at any meeting, at any encounter, you can ask yourself, what do I need to be? Sometimes, which virtue do you need to be? Do you need to be confident? Do you need to use your intuition? Do you need to tell the truth? Do you need to be courageous? Is the moment right now that you need to be loyal? So we have to ask ourselves before we even speak. You know, most people just speak just to speak. But I find that people that are self-aware and that are mindful, they don't always just speak. They stop, they look, they listen. And here gives you another opportunity to ask yourself to make that choice, to make that decision, which archetype, which virtue will get you the best outcome that you need in that moment. So that's why I've made something very complicated, extremely um, simple. You could always ask yourself, do I need to be the rebel who's confident right now? Or if not, I might show up as the leadership gap of the imposter who has self-doubt. Does right now this moment need to be the explorer who uses their intuition If I'm not careful, I might end up being the leadership gap of the exploiter who who manipulates. So Mm -hmm. that's why it's so important. We are our own coach. We have choices that we can choose at any given moment who we need to be. This is a system, therefore, that it gives us some awareness about our our options when, you know, when... uh, 
situation occurs. I, I, I loved in your and you put there's a quote that I really love, which is Viktor Frankl's between stimulus and response is a space, and in that space is our power to choose um, our um, it's our, our power to choose our um, response, and in that response lies our growth and our freedom. And therefore, what we're saying here is that in that moment between stimulus and response, we have the opportunity to choose and the archetypes with their um, with their sort of qualities, their virtues, and also their their gaps. Um, that gives us that consciousness to uh, to you know get the best result in that scenario. Absolutely, and it's very well put of what you said. See, most people feel they have no freedom. They have no choice. They, they're not in control. We are more in control than we think we are. We can choose at any given moment what we're going to do, who we are going to be. That's what gives us our freedom. That's what creates our destiny. I know it's a, a, it seems um, people aren't thinking this is my destiny, this is my purpose, but every little moment with the next moment adds up to the kind of life that we lead, the kind of relationships that we have, the kind of partnerships that we partner with, and, you know, the kind of business that you're running. Who are you being is the most important question that you could answer. Yeah. I'm kind of, you know, intrigued. There are moments in life when you're maybe not quite on your guard uh, and you're, you're sort of caught off balance. Um, it could be moments at home, actually, when you kind of relax and then suddenly something Something just trips off your off your off your tongue that you kind of wish you could put back in. Um, should you go through life being on guard, or does this become you know more of a automatic process in, rather than a manual one over time? I'm so happy you asked that because people ask me that all the time. You know what? So I have found that if you learn the rethink system, it becomes a language that you're very familiar with. And I've seen this work in marriages. One of the archetypes is a navigator, and a navigator is someone is when people come to them for problems all the time. I have a problem. Can you help me? Can you help me? And a navigator is very good at staring through a problem, like guiding people through a problem. And they're very empowering. People really like to be around them. And because that's true, people trust them. But the leadership gap of the navigator is the fixer who comes across as arrogant. So how many times in our relationships that people have come to us with their problems and we said, oh, you have a problem? This is what you need to do. You need to do this. You need to do that. I've done it. And the only thing we're doing is disempowering the people that we're talking to. So knowing this system gives you a shortcut in a moment to say, I have to be the navigator because my spouse is asking me a question and they're telling me about their problems, but I better not be the, uh, the fixer right now because that's only going to come across as arrogant. So this gives you the awareness and the shortcut to language and a system and a discipline that can only bring out your best. And is, do you find with these there is you know, a, a, some fundamental differences between male and female, between gender around you know the the archetypes. I'm thinking. You know, I'm kind of <laughs> smiling to myself and thinking a little bit about. Um, you know, often in a, in a relationship, um, if the you know a female may have a problem, and uh, the, the males or a male response can be uh, to want to fix it. Uh, the sort of default, and that sometimes doesn't quite work. That rather somebody would be rather be listened to, for example. 
So there are as just as many female fixers as there are male fixers. <laughs> How many times have you had a girl, if you listen to girls chat over lunch, oh, I have a problem. All of them chime in, become fixers. So it's not really a gender. All of these archetypes are genderless. This is, this is so what's so beautiful. It's what Joseph Campbell taught us is that these personas, these behaviors are universal and doesn't matter what gender you are. We have it. I'm a fixer. You know, fixers are smart people that have answers, but we have to be mindful not to fix. We have to learn to listen and to be silent and to empower someone by just asking them open-ended questions instead of constantly telling them what to do. Yeah, yes. And, and, and that's kind of interesting, isn't it? And, and, and another thing I, you know, I thought I had while reading your book is that we can... We, we can be a certain way in an organization. And there was an example in your book of you know, an individual who'd been leading organizations and was in control. And, and then he went and worked for a smaller organization and he, was, he, he behaved the same way, almost arrogantly. And I see that happen where people are strong in certain archetypes and be hugely successful in their career, but they continue those traits on when they get home. Uh, yes, yeah, so it's that person that, let's say, there's a certain archetype that got them to where they need to be. So they tend to utilize that archetype over and over and over again. But sometimes what got you here is not going to get you there. And so we have to be very mindful that is this what we really want? Is this who we need to be? Again, the question is, who are we being as we are leading? Because we need to know if that is set giving us our greatness or standing on our greatness, unleashing our greatness, or is it having us lead from our gaps? Yeah, yeah. And with this, uh, it's, it's a, I guess it's stimulus and response and, and feedback. You know, how, how hard should we be on ourselves if we get it, when we get it wrong? So great thing about life is that we are imperfect human beings. We don't always get it right. We don't have to be perfect, but we do have choices. So when, if we can realize that we're in work in progress and that every given moment we have a choice, we just have to do our best. See, I don't go for perfect, but I do go for excellence. And that's a big game changer. Yeah. I always remember when I worked for Mars, the confectionery company years ago, and um, the uh, I think the, the CEO in the UK sort of saying it's um, it's uh, – it's never going to be perfect, but it's always got to be good. Yeah. <laughs> we kind of live by that. And that was actually quite helpful because in an organization like that, that had high standards, you could feel like you had to be a perfectionist because uh, everybody was so bright and, <laughs> and doing things so well. Um, but the reality is we didn't always have time to be perfect. You, know, you, you were using one of those, um, one of the uh, gaps that you talk about. Absolutely. Uh, um that kind of kind of stuck with me. So, um, we've got we've read you. Pe people um, should buy your book, and um, what do they do once they've bought the book? How, how do they best use it? So, well, this is the kind of book that you read it once, and the stories give you insight that oh, we all suffer the same way. So it'll make you feel okay, I'm one of them. It doesn't matter what title I have or what position I have. You'll find yourself people that have 
pre-read this book. Before. It's it's actually now on pre-sale, so people can actually get it now. But people that have read it say, Lolly, I found myself on every page in this book. This story, These stories are about me. How did you know me so well? So the first thing is is to realize that we all suffer from the same things and we all want the same things. We all want to be validated and appreciated and recognized. And we all want to know that we're making the biggest impact that we can on our lives. So the first thing is to read the book once. The second time you read this book is really learn the system so that you have the choices, that you can make the choices and make the decisions that you want to make in every given moment. Because Chris, I really believe that every single person has greatness within them. They just have to choose it. Yes, yes, Um, absolutely. Now, that's really great. I'm just interested now, um, you've got the book coming out. Um, What can we expect from you in the next sort of year or two? Is is your life all about uh, about the book have you got other exciting things happening as well um so it's taken me 30 years to write this book because i've been practicing this system for all these years with my clients who have hired me but now i would hope um the second purpose is to really go to the stages and talk to bigger platforms and talk about this system in a way that people start to utilize it and it becomes a life system for them in order to stand in their greatness yes Yes, um, that's 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 great. Um, so, and, and I think um, it's quite interesting. I remember talking with um, with uh, I talked with Jack Canfield and, um, and a lovely. Um, my mind, she slips in mind now. The the president of the Canfield organization, and she was sort of sharing with me how um, people often write a book and they write another book and then they write another book, and what they fail to do is to really, really you know leverage that wisdom and knowledge and, uh, and and share it and communicate it and so i mean her, her advice to me was don't write books you know too frequently just really work with what you've done you've worked with your book and learned this over 30 years so um there's a now you've got it there must be a lot of mileage that you can do to utilize it and help a lot of people around the world with it i'd like to impact people and help them change their lives for what they want, for the choices that they want, the decisions that they want, but they have to pick the archetype and the virtue that will get them there. Mm. Mm. A, a wonderful uh, kind of kind of purpose and, and focus for you for the next, the next few years. I wonder if you've got any, any final messages that you'd like to leave us with. Absolutely. So my mission in my life is that for people to know that greatness lies within them and that most people who I work with always say, you know, greatness is not my destiny. I don't know what you mean by that. But what I have found is, is that greatness is a destiny that's available to anyone. We just have to choose it. Well, on that note, it's been, Lolly, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you today. And I'm sure people listening, you know, hear, hear my enthusiasm for your work. Um, so I want to say a big thank you for uh, joining us on the show and sharing your, your thoughts and going into detail on a, on a couple of the, the archetypes. It's been an absolutely fascinating conversation today. Thank you so much, Chris. It was such a pleasure and a privilege. Well, if you want to find out more about Lolly, um, go to um, lollydaskell.com. That's www.lolly, L-O-L-L-Y-D-A-S. K-A-L.com. And if you want to uh, pre-order your copy of her fabulous book, and I think there might be so one or two kind of uh, extras in the pre-order, Lolly? Oh, there, 
there's so many magnificent bonuses that if they order even just one book, they get an assessment that most of my clients have to pay $97 for. It's free when you pre-order. But don't just get a book for yourself. Get a book for every single person that you love so you can all start speaking the language of Rethink. Excellent. Well, if you want to get hold of that book and, and books for your friends and contacts, go to www.theleadershipgapbook.com. That's www.theleadershipgapbook.com. Um, so uh, that brings us to uh, the close for uh, today's show. But I want to just um, mention um, briefly uh, my guest next week. Um, I have with me in my joining my home office, we're going to talk about riding high. And we're going to talk about um, some lessons from the CEO of the UK's Premier League winning basketball team, uh, Kevin Routledge. He's also, what Kevin did was um, had uh, led um, the, build, the building of an amazing stadium. He's um, got senior roles uh, in, um, in basketball across the UK, but also he's got an amazing career which was involved uh, massive construction projects. And he's going to talk about how um, he, he has um, uh, built uh, and get built engagement within uh, local communities to um, create this uh, amazing stadium uh, and also some of the lessons that have helped um, create the number one uh, basketball team in the UK. So uh, do join us again next week. Uh, and I wish you a wonderful week. And if you've got any questions, any thoughts, do send them to me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Do link in on social media uh, and uh, do sign up for our newsletter at chriscooper.co.uk and hear uh, thoughts on Lolly's show and future shows and that sort of thing. So have a wonderful week. We thank you for listening to the Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.